We know you're ready to get fired up, but are you ready to get raw? Today, Krista talks to James Hoff of Real Estate Raw. Here we go. Let's get you fired up. Financially independent, retire early. If you're a small business, professional, or entrepreneur, and you're looking for a way to stand out amongst your competition, then this is the podcast for you. We focus on relevant digital marketing strategies and tools to help you stand out in your industry and become the market leader in your profession. Hey, we don't hold back on this podcast. We say it like it is. And sometimes you may not like what you're hearing, but I guarantee you, you'll know the information given is truly what you need to do to take your business to the next level. So hang tight because you're about to be fired up with me, Krista Mayshore. Hey everyone, Krista Mayshore here. You are on fire and we have got awesome James Hoff here. He is a real estate coach. Yeah, he's, his brand is Real Estate Raw. Is I saying that right, James? Yeah, Re-Raw or Real Estate Raw. Rerun, I love his shirt. And then he also is a producing agent. He's been over a uh, six-figure producer since his first year in the business. James, how do you do that? You're awesome. Every now and then you luck out, you know, a lot of hard work and just applying practical skills and keeping a positive mindset and uh, carrying through. So, yeah. I know, isn't it funny when you say it's it's luck? Like most people think that it's we're just lucky when you do well. You're 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 lucky. <laughs> they ask you, what's the one thing? Tell me the one thing that you do, and you're like, there's not just one thing. Yeah, it's like a million things. They say the harder you work, the luckier you get. And uh, yeah, I think you know to be honest, it's just approaching every day with a positive mindset, looking for opportunity, taking full responsibility for your actions and lack thereof, and and owning that. And a lot of self evaluation promotes growth. I mean, I don't know. There's probably three hours of conversation we could have in just that, you know? <laughs> oh, it's so true. I, I really find that most successful people in life are avid learners. Like they're just, and in fact, most people listening to this podcast right now, in most cases are avid learners. So I would assume that most people listening to podcasts are usually on the, you know, more successful level because they like to learn. So do you yeah. find that with you? Yeah, hundred percent. And what's really funny is I'm so glad the podcast space exists and YouTube and all that. But I hated reading when I was younger. I absolutely love reading now. And it's because I can pick up any, any book that's about business or personal development or just growth and all that. It's, I'm obsessed with it, you know? And so it just, they don't let you read that stuff in high school. You got to read like Tom Sawyer or whatever you're supposed to do. But yeah, a hundred percent. You've, you meet a lot of successful people because they're all in the, that same growth mindset, listening to podcasts, constant learning and education for sure. Ah, oh, growth mindset, constant learning education. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you. So you live in Southern California um, and you, tell us, I want to hear. Yeah, so Southern California, I've been out here for like 25 years. Um, I'm 35 now, I got a wife and three kids. Kids are seven, four and two. So I'm just a, a young guy running around like mad trying to stay sane and somewhere in there, make some money, sell some houses, coach some agents. Um, but I have a corporate sales background, uh, worked for companies like New Balance Footwear, Callaway Golf, uh, I've done the, you know, the cold calling and the door knocking and all that stuff. It's just crazy. All that. I uh, got tired of corporate politics, got into real estate, wanted to sell a product I was passionate about. Uh, didn't want to be blaming, you know, production for not making enough of the product I was selling. I figured in real estate, I could love the product and, and like own the production, right? Like if there's not inventory, I got to go find it. If there's not a buyer, I got to go get one, you know? And uh, I just loved that. So I got out of the corporate politics, truly have unlimited income potential, uh, create the lifestyle that you want. So I'm in my seventh year now, uh, replaced my six figure income, my very first year in real estate and never looked back. That's so cool. So, yeah. um, 
you had said basically you got go find buyers when you need buyers, go find sellers when you need to find sellers. So give me give me like your what's your what are your tips or a couple top tips on how to find sellers when you don't have any. So my go-to strategy is to actually leverage other agents' buyers to produce off-market listings that they've not been able to find. So I think one of the biggest excuses that agents have for not making money is they're like, my sphere is weak. Um, I don't know who to call. I don't know anybody. I don't have any buyers. I don't like nothing. Right. So my thing is, Hey, listen, if you have an, if you have a buyer that you can't find a property for, that's perfect. I don't limit my buyers to what's on the active market. So if you can't find something, tell me what you're looking for because I might be working on something in that area. And then what I do is I take that buyer criteria respectfully to the agent. Like I don't, I don't steal the buyer from them. That's not the goal. But then I send out a ton of direct mail. Direct mail is like my, it is like the most underutilized strategy. I do tons of highly, highly targeted direct mail, but I got a, I got a letter that leverages other agents, buyers. And I basically tell them, Hey, uh, I've got access to a colleague that has a buyer. Your house meets their criteria. They're specifically looking in your area. Here's a little bit about them and, you know, earn that credibility, build rapport kind of thing. And then I just tell them, I, uh, if you're interested, I'd love to represent you. If you already have an agent, give the letter to your agent and have them call me and go from there. But like, that's, that's like, I've generated over a hundred million dollars in off market leads from that one letter alone. Wow. And how many of those do you send out? I mean, it depends on the campaign. So some, sometimes I'll do a blast of like 28 pieces to a really small niche area. Other times I'll do like three to 500. Um, the best I've ever done, I sent 364 pieces. I got 13 phone calls in 48 hours. Average price of $3 million. I have $39 million of off-market homes to show to somebody else's buyer who didn't think to hit up the neighborhood. Man, that's great. So then do, do, you don't think that people ever feel like, wow, I should have, you know, had my house on the open market and I would have been able to get more money and more offers. Do you, does that go through, through sellers or buyers' minds or no? Sometimes it does, but the reality is, is there's so many different types of people out there and we're all coming from different parts of our life, right? So some people are like, I really want to sell, but I'm not interested in the foot traffic. I've got chaos happening at home. And if I'd entertain a, a private showing, but I'm not desperate, like I've got that exact thing happening right now with a client of my own. He's like, you can keep it a pocket listing, but I don't ever want to come on the MLS. You find a buyer, you bring them to me and we'll figure it out. But yeah, I mean, some, some of them say, you know what? I think I'd rather come to the market. You know, and, James, and, I love it. I love it because yeah. I'm, my, my mind is always like, you got a list, you got a list because I want to get multiple offers and bidding wars. And I'm yep. coming, like, that's my mindset, right? But it's so true that we need to open up our minds. And like, I'm learning from you right now that sometimes <laughs> that's not always the best thing to do. Sometimes it's better to do just like you're doing. And you're actually serving people to the highest level because you're meeting their needs, not your own. Well, think of the leverage that you're now providing to a seller because the seller says, well, should I come to full market? But I reverse the mindset and I say, well, actually think about it, Mr. Seller. You have something that this buyer can't find on the open market. Oh. You can charge your premium, my friend. You're not leaving anything on the table. And guess what? If you don't like it, don't take the offer. I don't care. Don't take it. Yes, I like that. James, you're so smart. That's why you've been earning your income that you made at your high corporate job the very first year, <laughs> seven years in a row, my friend. You are a badass. <laughs> okay. So that was for sell uh, for buyers. Now tell me what you would do. Probably the same thing, huh? You're getting a listing and a buyer out of that. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of, yeah, you get a listing and a buyer. One way that I like to find buyers actually is I have a tenant to homeowner strategy. So 
a lot of tenants don't understand that they have the capability of buying because there's this misconception of how much money they have to have to put down to buy a house. So there's this, you know, we, we, they think like, oh, I got to have 20%, 20%. And it's a huge number to swallow. So I take this value kind of loaded education forward mindset with everything that I do. And I think, hey, what if I target tenants and I explain to them that they don't need 20% down? And I tell them I want them to talk to a lender about a three and a half percent down, do an FHA or a 3% or a 5%. Or what if there's a down payment assistance program, right? And NAR did a survey on this. It's like 68% of tenants don't know that you can actually buy a house with less than 20% down. And half of those tenants say they don't care, but the other half said if they knew they could get a loan for less than 20% down, they would go buy a house right now. So they I talk did. to tenants from an education perspective and I say, hey, if you're tired of renting and giving all your money to somebody else, what have you thought about this? Did you even know that you could get a, a house for less than 20% down? And I get people hitting me up. So my, my objective is to get inbound phone calls. So I never have to worry about overcoming weird objections. Like I send the information out and then people hit me up and they're like, hey, I got your letter. I got your communication. Tell me more about it. It's the warmest call ever. And they're just slam dunk leads. Yes. I, and so, so you're still doing this on a regular basis uh-huh. as a part of your business. It's a, it's a huge strategy that you use sending out, you know, outbound letters to people yep. and they're calling you, you're not calling them. Right. And on average, let's just say you've got, um, how many people are, are usually turning with those letters? So I average an inbound phone call for one inbound for every 164 pieces that I send out. And I get probably 60% of them listed with me. The other 40% most of them list, I'd say about 80 to 90% of the homes list eventually. Not all of them list with me, um, but sometimes they don't list with me because I present to that one buyer and then, yes. you know, and then they, that doesn't work out and they'd rather work with their own agent, but I still have a shot at it. Uh, and for the ten- numbers. Yeah, it's, it, it is without question the highest stuff ever. It's, it's one of my top three lead gen strategies, that open houses and social media, but, but direct mail has trumped the other two combined. Wow. Okay. Good to hear. Good to hear. I do. I do um, postcards as well. I call it location domination where I like blast neighborhoods on in conjunction with seeing me on social media and everywhere else, you know? Okay. So open houses, tell me about your open houses. Oh gosh. I mean, I'm probably the most like passive. Most people walk into an open house and think I'm just like, you know, loitering or something because I, I seriously like the way that you see me right now, I'll just be chilling in an open house with like my t-shirt and a hat and flip flops and jeans. I'm super casual. And my, my attitude is, is look, nobody dressed up to come see me. So I'm going to keep it mellow. I'm just going to keep it really down to earth because I'll be more approachable that way. And usually when people come in, I'm just kind of chilling, reading a book or working on my computer, playing a game, doesn't really matter. And I just keep it really, really passive. They didn't come in to talk to me. They came to see the house, right? So I acknowledge that. And my open house strategy is really just let the client or the, the prospect lead the conversation. I just ask a few questions and then let them go. And then I catch them on the way. I don't have any sign in book. I don't have any, nothing crazy. I give them all the propaganda they want. And you know, they want brochures, they want information about stuff. And then I just ask questions to add value, to build rapport uh, and just keep it conversational. You know what it is, James? You, you, it's people work with people because they like you, and I, can, you're likable, and you could just, just from the second I met you, which was today, I feel Someone like finally said it. Forever. Yeah, I feel like you're like I'm your best friend. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. just, and people need to remember that we need to be people. I think that what's the stat is like 
it's, and this is not exactly right, but I think it's somewhere between 68 and 73% of people will work with you more because they like you, yeah. even if they think that you're not quite as qualified as somebody else. So everyone, if you're listening, because you are listening, that means that you need to be likable. Don't be an a-hole. Be nice yeah. to people. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, you know, it's really funny, Crystal. One of the things I tell people, they'll, they'll go, gosh, you're kind of, you're kind of casual for a real estate agent. Most people are kind of like suit and tied and dressed up. And I, I say this line verbatim. I go, you know, I kind of, ha- I run a business policy where I try to take the stick out of my ass before I go to work in the morning. <laughs> and but you talk about an icebreaker. People just totally chill on that. And they're like, that's pretty funny. But it's a, it's a great filter too, because I don't like working with people who don't like working with me. Yeah. So much friction and tension. So for me, it's like people go, well, when should I fire a client? Like, no, no, no. You should have your personality as your filter and they'll, they'll fire you. If they don't want to work with you. Just let them go. It's all good. Yeah. I love you. We'll stay. It's so true. I do a ton of video marketing and people will be like, well, Krista, you know, I don't, I'm not like you. And I'm like, well, good, because a lot of people don't like me. And so you can work with those people, right? Meaning you totally attract, I call it relationship marketing. You attract who you want to work with. So when you utilize, when you get yourself out there, people can decipher whether or not they want to work with you before they even meet with you, which is amazing because I actually have a no a-hole policy as well. And we won't work with people either on the coach coaching side or on the real estate side, they're not going to be nice. And so it's, it's very, very true. I love that James. Good. Okay. So I know this is like such a cliche, cliche question and the answer is it's not really even shouldn't, the question should never really exist. But if somebody were to ask you, what is your number one key secret, which we've talked about this before you even got on, there is no number one key secret, but what would you say if you were to give a top a new agent or an agent that's been in the business, you know, that wants to do a few more deals or a top producing agent that's kind of stagnant. What would be, what would be your number one tip for them? It's kind of, they kind of go hand in hand, but I would say it's kind of a two thing, two for one deal, right? So number one, don't ever sacrifice who you are to get business. It's not, it doesn't work. Um, if you're uncomfortable with the sales pitch that you're giving, then the, the, the prospect is going to be also. And the second part of that is do you, I've had so many people and I, and I see it in Facebook groups all the time. You probably see this too. I'm, I kind of start trolling groups and they're like, everyone's like, Oh yeah, you have to pick up the phones. You got to knock on the doors. And I'm the guy who go, no, you don't. And then I just leave, you know, but you, you don't have to do what is working for everybody else. You have to do what's comfortable for you. Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about this, like like capitalize on your strengths, double, triple, quadruple down on what you're good at. If you're a socialite, then host events. If you like take people to dinner, have events at your office, like create an investment group, like do that stuff. If you like to be on the phones, then bang those phones all day long. If you like to be in front of people, then go knock on doors or go to the dog park or do whatever. But don't, don't sacrifice who you are and do what you're comfortable with. Find a strategy that like emphasizes your, what, what makes you, you. That's so true. I'm reading a book right now, Millionaire. Actually, I'm done. I'm the third time. Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. Yep. Such an awesome book, by the way. If you have not read it, everyone needs to read the book, Millionaire Success Habits, because success is all about habits. I mean, it's all about habits. Anyways, one of the things he talks about is when you're in schools, you're, you're told to work on handwriting if you're bad at it or work on, you know, you're not good at math, go do more math. And he says just the opposite. No, screw math. You're not good at math. Don't do math work on what you're great at and make that skill even better. And just, that's what you want to focus on. So I I love that you say that. Do it, do you, do what you're comfortable with. 
Um, okay, what else? What else? What else? I, I want you to just like light everybody on fire here that's listening and tell them, you know, that they were they if they were so happy they listened because they heard m a marvelous James Hoff talk about his amazing <laughs> real estate career. You know, uh, look, here's here's the 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 clean and simple side of it is you have to use the practical life experiences that you've had and remember that like you're going to be engaging with people that are just like you. You know, I, I tell, I tell this kind of, I guess it's like a little story, but I tell everyone, I'm like, think about it. Like we get to work with people. We have the privilege of working with people from every walk of life. I didn't sign up for real estate and think that I would ever walk into a house where, you know, somebody had just passed away, you know, because they felt like it, right? Like they commit suicide, they do, but it happens. Right. And I didn't think that I'd be dealing with like a terrible divorce because nobody thinks about that when they sign up for real estate, but you're going to deal with it. And what's important is that you just don't stop being you. You know, so many people, they're like, oh, I don't really know how to handle that. The way that you handle it is you just be a human being and you, you have a bit of empathy for people and you say, hey, listen, I, you know, how can I help? That's the best question you can ask. There's a show on, there's a show on TV right now called New Amsterdam and I love it. Uh, this guy, Ryan Eggold is the main, uh, he plays the main character, but the line that they started this show with is, how can I help? And that's all he said, how can I help? How can I help? So if you just ask how you can help, if you serve more people, you solution oriented mindset, like value forward, you win. And I messed that up at the beginning too. Like I tried, I tried everything, like all, every strategy possible. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, what the hell am I trying so hard for? Like, why don't I just, I don't know, like this feels more comfortable than that. Let's do more of this. And it works, you know, but you, the, I got away from what I was going to say, but the, the story was this. If you go through life and you take all of your experiences and you put them into a bag, good, bad, love, hate, loss, birth, death, you know, whatever, you put, put all those experiences in a bag and you do the same thing and everybody else does the same thing. We all live about the same amount of time. At the end of our path, we're all gonna have the same amount of shit, the same amount of love, the same amount of hate, the same types of experiences. What creates the unique perspective we have is the order that we put them in the bag. But the shit at the end, we shake that bag out and all the piles are just the same. So you just got to remember that like you're serving people that are just like you. There doesn't have to be a bag of tricks. Just create a positive experience that you would want for yourself and you win. I love that. And I'm so service oriented. I mean, serve, don't sell, serve, don't sell. If you take care of people, the things come. That's why we tell everybody, like, you take care of people and the things come. Remember that you're dealing with human beings. They, they be empathetic empathize with them, you know, treat them nice, be kind, serve them, take care of them, do what's best for them and not for you. And you will do well in all aspects of life. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I can tell you're a big mindset person, but it's funny you say solution-based thinking. And in my, in my coaching, I always tell everyone, Hey, we can talk about your problems all day long. Let's talk about the solution. Like one of the um, affirmations I have my students do is what's what's the solution right this whole Weaver just is solution based thinking in fact if you're listening to this right now I've got a challenge for you and here's the ch did I say if you're listening they're listening why do I say they're if listening. they're listening James they're listening they're here. listening yeah they're listening but this means wake up now wake up okay so your challenge is you're not allowed to complain this entire week you need to any time you have a complaint a problem anything you're gonna think about what the solution is for that problem. What's the solution? Solution-based thinking. That one skill alone, I can pretty much guarantee you, you'll see a 20%, probably a lot more than that increase in your business if you just start thinking about the solution and not the problem. So many people are so focused on the problem, the issues, the blah, 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 they forget about the solution. It's not 
a surprise that certain people are successful. They're successful because of their mindset, their habits, and they are more proactive solution-based thinking. So that is your, that's your, your challenge this week. Are you up for it, right? If you are, do me a favor and hit me up on Facebook and say, Chris, I'm taking your challenge. I am only going to be solution-based thinking this entire week. And then let's see how your week turns out. You want to continue to do that all the time. Can I throw something at you too with that? Can I tail yes. off of it? So I find that there's so many agents that are in the middle of a transaction that could very easily be saved, but the transaction falls apart because they focus too much on who to blame for the problems that occur instead uh -huh. of how to solve them. And so like in the middle of that moment, sometimes it's like, well, I'll find the solution, but not until I figure out who to blame for this problem and to take them down. It's like, no, 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 do that evaluation later. And it doesn't even matter. It's so yeah. true. It doesn't even matter. And, and guess what? We are going to come up with problems in real estate. We're dealing with way too many people, right? And we can name, you know, home inspector, appraiser, lender, escrow, title, realtor, escrow coordinator. And I can go on and on and on, right? Yeah. So people are going to make mistakes. But if you focus on the solution and not who to blame, oh my gosh, you're going to go get so much further. Now, this is totally off base, but I've got to say this. What about those agents that you deal with that are just complete a-holes on the other side? And no matter what you do, they are problematic. How do you handle them? Well, there's two things that I do. If I haven't gotten into the transaction yet, I legitimately will refer the client to another agent to be the forward man on the front of it. Because I've, I've literally told other agents, I'd rather fire a client than ever work with you again. Uh, and I've done it. And you mean, you mean you're saying that you'll, you'll keep... You'll, you'll say, hey, someone else can deal with the agent yeah. and get the sale and oh my goodness. Yeah, so what I'll do is I'll say, hey, like I'll go find a colleague in my office and say, hey, I think it's gonna be a problem for my client if I represent them on this deal because of who the other agent is. So what I'd like for you to do is be the forward man, just be the name and I'll do all the work behind the scenes. I'll cut you in, I'll pay you a small referral fee or a flat fee or whatever, just to not have to worry about it. If you're in the middle of the transaction, there's, there's two ways that I handle it. Number one, my wife happens to be a transaction coordinator. Um, and it, it, even if she wasn't, I would still have my transaction coordinator do this, but you can change who the primary contact is. So mm. if I'm the one who is, it, the, is the combative problem, then I'll make her the lead contact. Uh, she runs a separate independent business. So it's not like she's my employee. I pay her like everybody else does. Um, but otherwise I call the agent out. I totally call him out on it. And I'm like, Hey, listen, there's two ways that this can go. It can go really terrible or we can suck it up and figure it out. Nobody's trying to, nobody needs to try to sabotage a deal or screw somebody over. We're all trying to close. We're all trying to win. So chill out. Like I, I play the game by the contract. And the reason I usually win my arguments is because most of the arguments I feel like are contractual because they're like egocentric. And I sit there, I'm like, all right, well, why don't we just look at the black and white then? Cause I know the contract really well and I'll probably win this debate. So <laughs> I don't know. But sometimes call, if you call people on their bluff though, I'll tell you, Krista, and you, you know this, it's like when you call someone out and you're like, Hey, you're kind of being an asshole right now. Like, can we just talk? It's amazing how quick somebody will be like, Oh, Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. And, and I think sometimes to too, when you deal with top producing agents, and mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a top producer, you're a top producer, right? Yeah. So we're not this way, of course, we're nice to everybody. But sometimes I've seen it on the other end, even when with me dealing with another top producer, it's kind of like they're getting this pitching mass, pissing match yeah. of the ego. It's like, this is an ego. We're, we're on the same team where our yeah. team is, let's do what's best for our client and make sure it's mutually agreeable for everyone, right? So it's a win-win. 
Um, your, our goal is obviously to get the highest price, best terms, and, but also to make sure it's fair and ethical on the other side. Yep. I think some people forget that and we need to remember that we are all on the same team here. And the, that's a whole other topic in itself, which I think I would love to have with somebody one of these days. If you're interested, let me know. But how do we make sure that we, we understand that we're all in this together, right? right. Agents are so... Uh, in many cases, lack and non-abundant thinking and, oh my gosh, there's not enough business and take, take, take. And we really need to change that because once we do, we're going to find that we have, you know, we get further in our careers, right? And that our lives are much more enjoyable. And I think that's something that, you know, again, as I said, it could be a whole nother, whole nother podcast. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. This podcast will be back in 60 seconds. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, can I get real with you real quick? Think about this. What would three more clients in the next 30 days mean to your real estate or lending business? It would mean more financial freedom, more time, and you'd be able to finally breathe financially. But let me ask you, what are you doing different to actually get a different result? Are you doing the exact same things you've always done and getting the same results? Well, I think it's time to try something new, and I've got your answer. I want you to go to www.3clientsin30.com slash podcast now and sign up. You're going to be working with me for the next 15 days, and I'm going to give you relevant strategies that will absolutely change your business. We've had multiple agents and lenders across the country pick up as many as six clients just during this 15-day challenge alone. So don't hesitate. Don't wait. Learning is great, but if you don't actually apply, then it means nothing at all. So visit 3clientsin30.com slash podcast right now, and I can't wait to see you there. Well, there's, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's the abundance thinking, right? It's, it's a fear-based mindset if you make your business decisions based on somebody else's business. It, every year that I, that I win, it's because my biggest competitor was me last year. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Well, I know I could beat that guy because I do it every year. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. In doing that, I beat a lot of the competition. The, by the way, the one thing that, and I, and I personally did this. Uh, fortunately, I caught it, but I personally had set goals based on somebody else that I wanted to beat one year. Like this is really early on. And I had to recalibrate quickly because they were leaving the business. Oh, so I was really? like, oh, I'm beating them. And I was like, oh, they quit. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, you know, I think we're kind of all competitive. Like you want to be, you know, the top producing agent in your area. But of course, um, I mean, everyone does. Right. We I mean, we, we all want to do we want to do we want to do well. Um, but doing it obviously without the negative part about it. But what I find too, for me, the more that I'm just have that abundant mindset, the more business comes in. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I went through this really crazy thing. I'll tell you, James, when I was doing my transitioning from being mostly a full-time agent into a full-time coach, um, I was so afraid of coaching people from my own area because I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to know my secrets and blah, blah, blah. And I actually had to go to EMDR to a counselor to have her help work me through it because for so many years, people were just kind of like on, on me, if that makes sense. And yeah. once I finally let it go, um, I mean, last year I only sold 101 houses. It was, I sold 53 less than the year before, right? Oh my gosh, but yeah. I only worked on my real estate business 5% of the time and I worked on my coaching nine, 95% of the time. So it wasn't bad, but I was still so caught up in, ah, so my, my real estate business was okay, but my coaching business blew up once I finally got rid of that lack of abundance mindset. You know, I, I was scared. I was scared. I'm admitting I was scared. <laughs> 
but you know, that's the other thing is, is so many people think that the top producers aren't scared or the, or the top coaches aren't scared or that the, like we live in some like crazy universe. And it's like, no, are you kidding me? Like, it's just, I'm okay with the fact that this path has obstacles. I'm will like, I know that I'm mentally prepared and I'm willing and able to overcome those because I brought the tools with me. It's yeah. Not an easy path for you or me. Just like people are like, Oh yeah, well that's easy. Cause of where you are. No, it's not. <laughs> you mean James, you don't have any magical powers. You're not like a superhuman. No, my children still don't listen to me. My wife and I still periodically have our days with each other. Like sometimes clients shit on me too. And it just, whatever, like I lose deals. I, I hear no, every successful person on the face of the earth hears no more than they hear. Yes. But you know what the difference is? They don't bitch about the no's. They just go, they just go and find another one. They keep going. So, so a couple, couple takeaways here Yeah, it is that your mindset is huge, right? Be, you've got to be positive. And, and I will tell you, mindset is, is so important. And, um, constantly because we are human and we're imperfect and we live in a world where there's just so much crap around us. Yeah. I have to constantly read books on mindset and sometimes I'll be in the shower and all of a sudden I'll start thinking negatively and I'll go, why are you being a jerk? Like, stop, you know, I'll have to like catch myself in the midst of my negative thinking and go, Nope, that's not it. And it's just a matter of getting in that habit. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, that I do is I have a, like a bracelet and I just bought one this weekend, but you put it on your wrist and Every time that you think of a negative thought, whether it's about your marriage or your body or your work or anything, your children, you notice that you made the, the negative thought, you take the bracelet and you move it to the other arm and you rephrase the thought, right? So it might be, oh, that's cool. oh my God, my husband is golfing again. Jesus, I want to spend time with him. It's like, I'm really happy my husband's taking care of himself and golfing so that when he comes home, he'll be happier and he can take better care of me, right? I like and that. It works so well. And you realize, number one, when, if you're not in the habit of doing this, you realize just how negative you can be. And then you realize after time just how easy it is to start being more positive. So if you're, yeah. it's a really good thing to do if you're listening. Um, okay. So, so you're like much more of a real estate podcast pro than I am uh, on your um, RE Raw. So tell me, what am I missing now? I mean, this is great. Everything about this is great. You know, just I think, I think that more people just need to hear positive messaging, but real messaging. That's the, that's the whole inspiration behind re-raw, real estate raw. It's the no fluff, no BS, right? And so for me, it's all about like, I'm tired of that, like, go get them, tiger. Everybody can do it. I'm more like, no, like, let's dissect this. Your mind sucks right now. Let's figure out why. And let's like, let's twist that and, and fix it and adjust it, you know? Like, I don't know. Just keep, just keep probing. That's great. This is great. I love this. So do you, when, on your show, do you have like someone on there, if they're having a hard time, do you kind of dig into the mindset of a real estate agent? Yeah. So my show has three different episode formats. Um, so I have a sales meeting that I do once a week. It's 20 minutes or less. I have an interview once a week, which is with, with agents from every walk of life. So I get everywhere from new to super amazing. Right. And then, uh, and then I have a, a ramble session. And then my ramble session is like the beer talk. It's like the, you're chilling in the bar talking and shit talking and trolling and doing all that stuff. We just share war stories and whatever. And you, um, it's just you on that one or you're, you're interviewing somebody? No, I usually bring someone in for it and we kind of like shoot the breeze together. So, um, but to be really candid with you, Krista, like I haven't recorded in probably about eight weeks because I got to the point where everything started coming together at once. Like my real estate business had some unexpected turns down. And so I had to bring that back up because this is like, that was where I was making my money while I was trying to get this off the ground. And then all of a sudden, like the, the coaching stuff started to go. And then I'm like, shit, I don't have anywhere to 
anyone doing my like production work behind the scenes. So I kind of, I kind of have shifted my focus a little bit and I'm going to re relaunch the not launch, but restart the interviews and the podcasting and stuff, probably Q3. Gotcha. So the, I, I love that you just admitted that because that, yeah. just to kind of give people, I think people under, they look at people and they just think, Oh man, you know, they just have it easy all the time. Right. Yeah. And I love that you just mentioned how you went through some ups and downs. And I, I went through the same thing when I was coach going from real estate to, to, um, coaching. I mean, I had the hardest year in real estate yeah. in my company than I have had in years. Number one. Um, I mean, my production went down 33%, right? My staff turnover rate, it was crazy. Yeah. I wasn't really there as much. So people weren't really doing anything. I mean, I was like, what the heck is going on in my real estate business? It's never been like this. Yep. And it was so difficult. Meanwhile, I'm starting my coaching program and we had like seven months almost where we didn't hardly make any sales whatsoever. I mean, it was just like yeah. pumping out the money, trying to, because people are so untrustworthy with, and with good cause. I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of, there's a lot of, it's hard to know who to believe, who to trust with coaching, right? You know, you're going through the same thing. And so with that being said, number one, we didn't stop with real estate. We just went back to all the things that, you know, we, that we, I was doing, like making sure we're doing everything on steroids. So meaning with real estate, when the market was going worse, I just was more of this, more of that, more of this, more of that. Right. And the same with the coaching. So if you're listening, cause you're listening to this, <laughs> you, you got to make sure that when, when the going gets tough, you don't get going right. Meaning when the going gets tough, you keep going. You don't just leave and stop. Um, you've got, because you're going to go through things. And I think that's the biggest one of the biggest keys to people being successful also is not only having a good mindset, but knowing when you're failing and you're having problems in your business, it's because you're actually progressing. Because if yeah. you weren't having problems, you were still being stuck being exactly right where you are. A hundred percent, you know, and, and, you know, and some of the financial stuff that we go through on our side, it's like a lot of people feel like, oh, well, easy for you to start a podcast or a coaching business or whatever it is you're doing because you're doing all this in real estate. And I'm like, well, listen, like I had to, hire and build a team so that they could take the leads on that I had just so they could work. Right. And then I didn't lose those leads and then that team wasn't producing. And so I lost two of them, fired three of them, made a shift like transition. So it's like, I'm juggling a lot of stuff too. No, no excuse in that. But like last year I lost $8 million worth of transactions that I should have had, but yeah. I lost $8 million worth of transactions because even for, for, for us, like, Krista, for you and for me and for any other agent, we're constantly adjusting too. It's not a perfect science, mm -hmm. you know? And it doesn't mean all of a sudden I like rolled over and I'm belly up and whatever, but you sit there and go, okay, hold on a sec. I need to shift priority because this is still making money here. I'm building this up over there. So we're going to table that for a minute. We'll get back to it later. You have to prioritize and you got to do it and not feel like because you had to change what you thought you should be doing, you didn't get defeated. You didn't lose the winners just shift. They understand how to shift and they don't, and they don't feel like, oh man, I really, I suck now. No, you just play with it. You just go. You just adjust and play. But J James, everyone that's, that's listening right now, you already said, you've got to shift and you've got to adjust, right? Right now in this real estate market, in this industry, we need to shift and adjust more than we've ever had to in history because of change and technology and what's happening. So take, keep keep on look, keep your eyes open, make sure you're seeing where your business is at. I call it the eight C's to the, um, I'm sorry, the five C's to the, to the sales cycle. There's marketing, there's lead generation, there's lead nurture, 
there's conversion, there's um, fulfillment and delivery, and then refer, retain, and resell. All those six aspects you need to know in your business how each level is performing, and you need to adjust because they change, right? So some people are so focused on lead generation, they don't they they don't know how to leave nurture, right? right, right. Some can't nurture, but they can't convert, right? Some you know can convert, but then when the client leaves, they think that they're going to automatically come back to them, and they don't realize, nope, you've got to stay in front of your client so that they'll want to refer, retain, and resell with you. So look at your entire aspect of your sales cycle and your sales system, and make sure that you're adjusting and looking at it all the time. Big time, big time. So you're a rock star, so we're about out of timer. I don't want to bore everyone because, you know, even though I don't think they are, but um, you have been so good. And I just love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. And I think that you can absolutely tell that you care about people and you're a server. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, and I think in this business, you have to be. You have to be that as a coach, as a real estate agent. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate agents, they go, oh, there's so many agents, it's saturated. It's so hard to be competitive. Well, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people in the real estate coaching space because everybody that's ever sold a house is like, well, I want to be a real estate coach. You know, like everybody has their excuses and they, they're only excuses if you let them bring you down. So I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. For oh, that. thank you so much. So if somebody wants to get in contact with you, what do they do? Where do they find you? Uh, so you can, you can find me by my name at uh, James Hoff CA. Uh, that's my real estate stuff. Or you can find me at Real Estate Raw. Uh, if you want to follow my other stuff, my podcast stuff, but uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And can I leave, can I leave one, like one little special tip as a yes. real estate agent? I was, oh. was going to ask you like, what's your, like, leave them like blow their minds. Here's, here's my something that I just, I, and this is so near and dear to me. Real estate agents right now have become so reliant on technology that they are losing control of their own business. Uh, we're quite literally automating ourselves out of work. And my suggestion to you is not to, not to stop leveraging technology, but to look at why you leverage it. Is the technology you're taking advantage of getting you out of business or just helping you be more efficient? For example, if you want to pay everybody else to generate leads for you and you don't know how to lead generate, then your business relies on somebody else's ability to produce leads for you, which means if they want to up that price, you're just going to have to either eat that cost or get the hell out of business. So my thing is, if you decide to pay for leads, if you decide to pay for cold calling, if you decide to pay for services, know how to do it first. So if the shit does hit the fan, you know that you can still go back and play ball. You can cut everybody else's system out and just have your own that you can just pick up and take with you wherever you go. So don't automate yourself out of business. Know how to do the job. That's, uh, that's such great advice. And also how you said the automation part of it. Don't forget, automation is wonderful. I love automation, but people are wanting the humans to get back into it, right? We need to rehumanize our business because it's so automated out there. People want people now. So that, do not forget that. Okay, so James, I really appreciate you being on here. You did so well. We're gonna be besties forever. And um, I love your last bit of advice. Make sure that you know how to do everything you're hiring someone else to do. So in case they go bye-bye, you're still in business. And I am gonna be reaching back out to you in probably four to six months to see if I can interview you again because you were awesome. Well, in the meantime, I'll be reaching out to you and we'll get you on my show. Maybe we'll, we'll kick you off as my first interview to get back on track. Oh, on I would love to. I'd love to. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome, James. Have a great day. And everyone, don't forget, go to 3clientsin30.com to sign up for our challenge. Whether you're a real estate agent or a lender, we would love to have you. That's 3clientsin30.com to sign up for our 30-day clients to teach 
30-day challenge to teach you how to get three clients in 30 days. And as always, make it a great home selling and buying day. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, can I get real with you real quick? Think about this. What would three more clients in the next 30 days mean to your real estate or lending business? It would mean more financial freedom, more time, and you'd be able to finally breathe financially. But let me ask you, what are you doing different to actually get a different result? Are you doing the exact same things you've always done and getting the same results? Well, I think it's time to try something new, and I've got your answer. I want you to go to www.3clientsin30.com slash podcast now and sign up. You're going to be working with me for the next 15 days, and I'm going to give you relevant strategies that will absolutely change your business. We've had multiple agents and lenders across the country pick up as many as six clients just during this 15-day challenge alone. So don't hesitate. Don't wait. Learning is great, but if you don't actually apply, then it means nothing at all. So visit 3clientsin30.com slash podcast right now, and I can't wait to see you there. Come back and join us five days a week, every Monday through Friday. And be sure to check out kristamayshore.com backslash podcasts for free downloads and resources.